welcome to the latest episode of our Business in Focus podcast. I'm Teresa Wusuaje. I'm a financial services partner and head of legal in PDC UK, and I'm your host for today. So I'm really excited to bring to you this next episode of our In Conversation With podcast. These feature discussions between our people and our clients about the impact of COVID-19 on their organisations. We'll explore what we've learned from the disruption that we've experienced from the past year and how we can take those lessons forward to help us navigate future challenges. And we'll also discuss how we've worked together with speed, imagination and care to deliver results that really make a difference. So joining me today in our virtual studio are Dan Schwartzman and Charlie Davis. Hi, both of you. Um, I wonder if you could just give me a brief introduction. And Charlie, please, can I come to you first? Sure. Hi, I'm Charlie Davis. I'm the General Counsel and Company Secretary at Provident Financial Group, PLC. Provident Financial, uh, we also call ourselves PFG, is a specialist lender for the 12 million UK adults that are not served by mainstream credit companies. We're also a FTSE 250 company, which is listed on the London Stock Exchange. Brilliant. Thanks, Charlie. And Dan, hi. Thank you very much, Theresa. And hello, everyone. So I'm Dan Schwartzman and I've worked at PwC for over 30 years. I'm a member of the UK Management Board and have been responsible for industries at PwC since 2014. Prior to that, I was responsible for the Business Recovery Services team for six years. I've been involved in company restructurings and insolvency work from 1990, with a focus on financial services and, for example, was one of the administrators on Lehman. I'm absolutely delighted to be part of this podcast today. Brilliant. Thank you, both of you. Um, So, Charlie, I want to start with you. Um, I didn't know a lot about PFG. And looking through the the website and understanding more about PFG, what PFG does in having customers in that sort of most financially vulnerable uh, adults in society, I'm just fascinated by what kind of uh, the the last sort of 15 months have been like for you, how the pandemic, first of all, has kind of impacted your customers, and also then what's that meant for you. But can we just start with your customers, what what that's broadly been like for them? Sure, Teresa, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think you'll appreciate because of the nature of our customer base, many of our customers are already in financial difficulty. So uh, we were very concerned to make sure that we were quick to react in in protecting our customers and responding to their needs. We've got a very high proportion of customers that were put on furlough and a very high proportion of customers who also were in uh, key worker roles. So we wanted to make sure that we could support them in, in getting them to work, but also quickly support customers who were not able to work. And so uh, it really did involve a very, very quick reaction in terms of ramping up staff and making sure that we could show customers appropriate forbearance. So I had an example um, recently given to me by a friend who spent many, many hours on a phone trying to get through to a call centre of another credit card provider to ask them for a payment freeze. We had waiting times of around five or six minutes, which was quite extraordinary. And we were able in that way to make sure that we spoke to as many customers as possible in the shortest space of time to give them reassurance that we were going to show them forbearance and create the right options for them so they didn't have to worry about money in and amongst everything else that they had to worry about. And I just want to pick up on 
really the purpose of PFG, which is around putting people on a better path to everyday life. And, and how has that guided just some of the big decisions you've had to make over the last um, over the last sort of 12 to 18 months? Theresa, our, our purpose, as you say, to put customers on a path to better everyday life has absolutely guided us through the pandemic in terms of how we responded to customer needs with products and services that supported them, as well as how we responded to individual um, individual difficult customer circumstances. So we, we believe financial inclusion for the 12 million customers not served by the mainstream banks is critical. And this became even more evident as the economic consequences of the pandemic became more apparent. And the purpose also guides us with our employees and suppliers. And we've worked over the past year to create a much more inclusive workspace to help our colleagues in the way that they wanted to during some really challenging times. So we also remain committed to working with our charity and community partners throughout the year um, through our social impact program. And we've actually been supporting various charities and community partners in addressing community needs, which would include some of our customers and supporting customers who are underserved in their recovery. So for example, we provided hundreds of laptops to a leading debt advice charity. We made donations to organizations that provide support to individuals who've been severely impacted by the pandemic. And we also supported the education of young people through financial education workshops to make sure that we could help them with budget and money management. So a lot of these people will be our customers as well, but we're able to actually support them through our social impact programs as, as well as helping our customers directly through the forbearance options and the speed that we that we created in supporting our customers with those forbearance options. Teresa, if I if I could uh, interject, because um, it's really interesting, you know, you know, most corporates have a purpose and we talk about purpose, we talk about values. Um, and not all corporates live and breathe, you know, their purpose and their values. And um, I, I'm not saying it because we're doing this this podcast, but, you know, everything that Charlie said and more, you will see PFG, you know, our purpose-driven organisation. Um, you know, Charlie, I don't know if it's worth mentioning, you know, the sort of work that you and I have been doing uh, over the past, well, you know, over the past many, many months around you know, you're a very, very successful organisation, but there's been one subsidiary in particular that's had its difficulties, a bit partly COVID-driven, but not totally COVID-driven. And the way that you've reacted to it, uh, I'm not sure that's the way that um, many organisations would react to it. Is it worth just bringing that one to life, Charlie? Thank you, Dan. I do, I, I do really appreciate those kind words. I think, um, I, I believe that's definitely the case in terms of in terms of how we operate and. Um, you, you're, you're right. We um, we had a, a, a very difficult position in our home collective credit business, not least uh, because of COVID. So you know this is a business where face-to-face um, -face relationships are critical, and our, um, our our customer managers go into individuals' homes to have a conversation with them about their needs, and customers request loans through that face-to-face -face conversation over a cup of tea on their sofa, and obviously. That was that was stopped as a result of the pandemic. So we had to be um, very creative in thinking about alternative ways of of supporting those customers through, for example, um, digital routes instead. But but the pandemic really crystallised um, the problems that we had in that business, and we saw a, a huge influx of 
claims from complaints management companies um, and we had to make a decision and the decision was do we try to do something to support our customers in terms of redress or do we simply put the business um, into an insolvency process which may have been the easier option um i think i think you know dan, dan certainly you might reflect that it would have been the easier option after the work that we've been doing but but it didn't feel like the right option and our purpose continually guided us throughout this entire process it's been it's been hard um it's been it's been a long period of time that we've been working on it but we wanted to make sure that regardless of what the financial position was of that company we could find a way of giving customers redress through writing off their debt um, uh, having reviewed their account or through um, else giving them some money and we've put a substantial amount of money on the table when we didn't need to but we felt it was the right thing to do in order to uh, be able to give our customers some redress and you know just bringing that to life um so we are coming towards the end of july at the moment um the final court hearing to assess the deal effectively that PFG is putting to its customers um, is just over a week away. And so we hope we get the right result on that. And I think you're right, Charlie. Um, I think you're absolutely right. The easier answer would have just been put it into an insolvency process and walked away. And Teresa, you used in your introduction, you know, the theme speed, imagination and care. So that was a, you know, it was a difficult situation. Um, I think the the deal that you're putting to the customers, Charlie, through a scheme of arrangement structure, you know, was certainly imaginative. Um, it's been done relatively quickly, you know, given all the circumstances and the complexity involved. And it shows real care because you are putting, as you said, a substantial amount of money, many, many tens of millions of pounds, you know, for the customers in a very difficult situation. I think that really brings to life speed, imagination and care. There is one thing that's really, um, that's really important to me from an advisor perspective. You know, when, when individuals in the team come talk to me and say, you know, have you got advice? You know, one of the pieces of advice I'm quite keen on giving is that don't come from the Alligator School of Consulting, which is all mouth, no ears. When you're, when you're working with a client, you want to be one of, you want to be in deep listening mode um, to make sure you really understand the issues and react to them. And I think one of the things to me for the pandemic is because things have been moving at such pace. Um, actually, I don't even think the Alligator School of Consulting is right anymore because um, you've got to have, you've got to be in even more intense listening mode because, you know, when you're talking about speed, imagination, care, that speed element is so vital. I think you've got to have almost elephant ears. So you're really listening intently. And, uh, uh, you know, and this isn't necessarily linked to PFG, but it's been really, I think one of the things that has come out from the pandemic for me is that some of the issues that are common to clients because we've had to move at such pace, because so many industries have been hit, you can you can hear those issues much more intensely and therefore come up with solutions to those because they're surfacing much more quickly than they would otherwise surface. It's a really interesting aspect of the pandemic for me. So much of what you've both just said is just so rich. Um, Charlie, just, just listening to um, the care with which and, and the imagination actually with which you've you know PFG sort of 
um, handled the issues over the last sort of 15, 16 months or so is, is really inspiring. Um, I wanted to turn to, um, to your employees, your people. So you've got this, you know, these really difficult circumstances anyway for all of us. Mm. Dealing with people where you're trying to do the right thing who are themselves probably in the most difficult of circumstances, mm. what's the impact been on your people? That's a really good question, Teresa. I think the, the, the pandemic allowed us to gain insight into our people's lives, which I just I just don't think we had it before. You, know, you see a dog jumping up onto somebody's lap and a toddler walking in asking for food. I had this extraordinary situation one day where my, my teenager was, was um, I, I was actually in a board meeting. So I had, you know, the, the full PLC board and, and my chairman, everybody on screen and my, my teenager going, mum, 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 mum. It's really important. I was going, I'm, I'm in a board meeting and and this was 10 a.m. And he said, you know, what's for lunch? It was like really not important, but to him it was. And, and I think I think it really gave us this insight into people's lives and, and we got to know each other in a way that, that that we didn't before. I knew people in my team had had young children and I knew that um, they had certain situations, but it really helped me get under the skin of their relationships and their challenges. And I think what this allowed us to do is to make sure that we offered tailored support to individuals that really met their needs. So, for example, people with younger children who were being homeschooled, they were offered paid leave or flexible working. So they had blocks of hours where meetings didn't go in. Um, so, for example, my deputy general counsel, we we forced her to take a couple of hours every morning, a couple of hours every afternoon when the children particularly needed support and also so that her and her partner could work around each other but actually we also had to think about people who are home alone because people who are home alone need to be around work colleagues for their well-being so we said to them look if you want to go into the office we'll find a way of making sure that you can go into the office and then there were other people who maybe you know, didn't have such challenging situations at home but they still needed to look after their well-being so we made sure that they were carving out time for a walk at lunchtime um, because, you know, to Dan's point, it, it was so fast paced. Everything was so fast paced. There was a danger that we didn't step away from our desks. But I think for me, the thing that was most effective was constant communication. So we had Malcolm LeMay, our CEO, doing a weekly vlog. We had newsletters. We had huddles. I worked out with my team. They didn't want to, but they did. <laughs> I exhausted them. We cooked together. We gardened together. We had quiz nights. We had murder mystery nights, coffee huddles. We got to know each other better than ever. And I think the thing for me was we learned to create new boundaries and to claw back some work-life balance. So previously, I would sit at my desk and I'd still be at my desk six, seven o'clock at night. I'm a single mum to three children and you know, they're teenagers, so they're hungry. And I'd get to about seven and think I haven't fed them and I'd be calling delivery. And what the pandemic taught me is that I have to step away from my desk and I have to go and do something for my children. And everybody within the executive team at PFG knew that that was my time. Dan and the whole of the PwC team knew that that was my time and they carved it out for me and religiously never took that time away from me. And I think that's what's really important as we return to work, that our return to work strategy is informed by what we learned during the pandemic. And as an organization, we're making sure that we don't lose sight of 
the need to carve out time, the need to give our people space and the need for them to make sure that they're having quality time with family that they discovered during the pandemic. And so much of what you just said, um, as a mum of two, just sort of resonates with me, plus those um, those comical uh, sort of video call moments over the last sort of 15, 16 months or so. I hope others were chuckling like I was as I was, um, as I was listening to you. But I can also see why Dan said that our two firms just have so much in common. Um, because a lot of what you've just said in terms of, um, it, you know, doing the right thing by your people, they're, they're things that I would very much recognise from the approach that we sort of took, um, uh, you know, over the last sort of 15, 16 months or so. You're absolutely right, Theresa, when you say, you know, the uh, values are aligned uh, in terms of, in terms of, you know, the you could almost you can almost say that's you know how we worked with our people, but it's very interesting. It's a really great question you asked, because you were asking about the care for clients, customers, and then you talk about the care for your people. And it's interesting, isn't it? In some organisations, you see the two aren't aligned. And then when you talk about real care, I, I don't think you care has to be something you you do with everybody. Where it's whether it's internally or externally, and I, I, I'm I've never asked you that question, Charlie. I'm not surprised to hear your answer. Um, brilliant. Charlie, one of the things that you, as you kind of came to the end of your answer, you were talking about the, um, I guess, the phase of the pandemic that we're sort of now moving into the sort of return to to office. And I'm recording this from from one of our London offices um, today, um, and so. With so much of what you've learned over the last um, sort of 16 months or so, you sort of touched on a little bit of it, but what are, what are some of the things that you've gained that you want to make sure that you hang on to as, as we kind of move to, through this next phase and, and, you know, people return to offices and, and your people return to offices as well? What, what are, if you kind of had your top few things, what would they be that as PFG you really want to hold on to? Oh, Therese, that's a, it's a really good question. I mean, I think I think for me, um, it's that we've learned that we can be just as effective working remotely as we as we can be face to face. Um, we we still you know we still can have real speed in decision making and 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 still be remote from each other. And so I think um, make, making sure that we're not returning religiously to travelling, um, you know, to having to go to different offices to see each other, to feeling that you have to go. Um, to a client's office to see them or, or vice versa, because I think all of us would be working flexibly going forward. And it might be the case that I'm not in the office the same day as, as Dan or vice versa. And, and I don't think that any of us should feel obliged to go back to those those face to face meetings. So I think I think for me, you know, continuing with this reduced travel um, and actually using that time for more effective purposes instead. I think then communication that you know the, the level of communication that we had in in pfg was extraordinary and and really high levels of engagement throughout the pandemic and keeping that up is critical i think as we started to go back to the pubs and restaurants and you know we might even be able to go on holiday this year there's a risk that that really intense and frequent communication that we had during the pandemic starts to fall away because we've got other interests and other things going on so I think we've got to really make sure that we continue to, to focus on communication. 
But I think the other the other priority for us is going to be how do we make sure that we can operate effectively in that hybrid environment? Mm -hmm. So I was saying earlier that you know we, we were all on screen looking at each other. It was actually incredibly effective. But what happens when you've got some people who are on screen and some people who are in the office? And how do we make sure that we can still have effective interactions with each other um, and not lose that that pace and agility that we had from all seeing each other face to face? And I think this is a big challenge for organisations. You know, do we have meeting rooms with large screens in that allow us to see everybody that's at home? Or are we going to end up with sort of slightly mucky situations where we've got some people who are on a phone line and some people that are seeing each other, in which case it's going to be much harder to communicate, I think. So I think that's something that everyone's going to have to worry about. You have to remind me, um, Theresa, never to do a podcast with Charlie again, because um, everything I want to talk about, Charlie, captures. <laughs> so I was just been ticking off the things I want to talk about. Um, what, what additional items would I say? I, you know, the, I think it's, I think one of the, one of the areas, and it's, it's, Charlie's touched upon it. You know, one of the reasons I like coming into the office is, I find it easier to collaborate in the office. Um, as you said, whereas coming to the end of July, I also like coming to the office because there's air conditioning in the office. Um, but I think not in terms of what Charlie was saying, not just making sure that when we're meeting, whether you're in the room or you're outside the room, that you are part of that meeting, but also in terms of areas like collaboration, I think there are some things that you can only do when you're in, in the physical environment and being respectful of that by saying, look, we really need to brainstorm this issue. I think on this particular day, if we can get the team together, that would be great. I think that's something we're just going to have to plan a bit more because it just used to happen a bit more naturally. I think, I think, Teresa, if I just want to pick on new points that Charlie hasn't mentioned, so just moving a bit, I'm not going to go into areas like, you know, we're seeing, you know, you know, our clients going down the you know, digitization route more, you know, things like, you know, the deals-led recovery, which we've talked about a lot in, in previous podcasts and the supply chain and how the supply chain is changing for ESG reasons. I'm not going to go down that route. I think the route I'm going to go down, if I may, in answering your question, um, it comes back to something I was saying earlier. I do think that, you know, We've gone through, and we are still going through, a time where there are many more risks. And I think, as I was saying earlier, I think we've been able to be more imaginative because those risks have surfaced much faster. And they are opportunities for clients as well. And so I think there's something around as we come out of the pandemic, hopefully, uh, and we return to normality, just not losing that. Um, that real focus on reacting to opportunities at speed. We talk about the speed of imagination and care. That's something we've developed over the pandemic. I don't think it's something that we should lose or our clients should lose as we come out of the pandemic. And I think we've created that environment and, and let's not lose it. Great, thanks, Sam. Um, Charlie, can I come back to you on, we've just been talking about the journey that you, you know that you've had in relation to your employees we talked about your customers and what the pandemic was like for them but actually I want to do a bit of a 
look forward as we kind of bring the pod to the podcast to the to the close and, and to kind of ask you what are the priorities that you're seeing in relation to your customers now and it's that same question of what are the, what are some things that you've done well that you want to hang on to um, and what's that new world going to look like for your customers and in and and how do you respond to that so there's sort of lots of things in my mind really about that look forward um, from a from a customer perspective sure and, and we've been we've been talking about this a, a lot lately actually Teresa. so um so it, it's definitely it's definitely at the front of my mind i mean i think really for us uh, given the customers that we have and the fact that they they are underserved by by mainstream banks it's really thinking about the products that they need as opposed to the tradition of you know, creating a product and, and marketing it it's actually um, really putting yourselves in the customer's shoes and thinking about how you deliver a product and service that that is right for them um, so traditionally a customer would have phoned up and they would have said um, I'd, I'd like a credit card, please. And you would do an analysis of whether it was it was right to give that customer a credit card. But they might have been putting a car deposit on that credit card. And actually, we could potentially serve them much better with a lower interest rate by having um, um, a, a car loan offered to them through Money Barn, our, 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 um, our car finance business. So I think for me, it's, it's um, making sure that we are using um, a lot of the digital tools that we that we learned from in the pandemic, the digital response that we learned from in the pandemic. And to Dan's point, you know, we implemented a lot with huge speed and managed to do more probably in three to six months than we'd done in the previous 12 months. But using that to make sure that the delivery of services to customers is, is really suited to what they need. Um, and I think I think everybody has moved on in terms of their digital propositions during the pandemic because they had to. And we really need to harness that. I think to Dan's point, um, reacting more quickly. So, so the speed of implementation was was quite extraordinary, the way that we were able to respond to customers' needs. And there should be no reason why we can't continue to harness that and do that going forward, because our customers' needs will potentially evolve very quickly um, as, as situations evolve quickly going forward. The one thing that we learned is that you can't model or predict anything from the pandemic. So, so speed to react to make sure that our customers' needs are being met as quickly as possible, I think will remain critical. Um, and also I think what was really effective for us in the project that we worked on with PwC and, and our other advisors was broad cross-discipline teams, everybody's heads on something at once so that we could make sure that the delivery of propositions to our customers is, is slick and it's effective and it's exactly how it needs to be. And, and we've managed to do that time and time again over the past 12 to 18 months by having a lot more people on calls, but actually decisions being made within that call on a real-time basis, which everybody's got confidence and everybody's stood behind. And that stops a traditional washing machine of going around in circles and and you know, conversations that possibly don't need to take place. Speed of decision-making, most definitely, is going to be critical going forward to make sure that we are reacting to customer needs appropriately. Theresa, if I could just, brilliant, Charlie, and Theresa, if I could just add to that, if I may, you know, just looking at it through, through my lens, I mean, one of the massive privileges of looking through an industry lens is that you're very, very close to your clients, and we've got kind of a, a saying, you know, don't, you know, we talk about 
you know, make what you can sell, don't sell what you make, because you could be making completely the wrong things and not appropriate to be selling to clients. And the thing that I would just to add from my perspective, Charlie, to, to what you were saying is, is in terms of that collaboration, um, we are seeing the boundaries between industries blur more and more. And the reason for that is that in order, when you're working as a team, the team is a much wider team. You know, if I was to make it, you know, from, you know, if I was to bring to life something from a PwC perspective, one of the things we're seeing now is that team will include alliance partners. You know, we've, you know, I, you know it's, it's very public. We can talk, I can talk about something we've just been doing with, with Google and it's a sign of the times. And, and you'll relate to this, Charlie, that some of our customers are saying, understanding what we're saying to our customers real time is really important for a variety of reasons. One, we, we may want to sell better to our clients two to the point you've been making we may have some vulnerable customers and we we need to be really sure that we're treating our customers properly which i know is something dear to the heart of pfg and so we've been working as a firm with google on a voice analytics technology which will help clients to make sure that they're interacting better with their customers now that is the sort of thing that so when you're Charlie, when you were talking about collaborating as a team, I think that team has got wider and wider from a PwC perspective, and I'm seeing it with clients as well. Their team may not just be, uh, as you were saying, you know, their in-house team, it goes much, much wider, especially as we get more driven from a technology perspective. Mm. Mm. And it's not to say, Dan, is it? It's not to say that there isn't appropriate governance because, because there has to be. So yeah, you st you've still got a governance framework when you're thinking about products and services that you that you have to adhere to. But it's making sure that that when you're ready to take it through that governance process, through committees and boards, that it's been really well thought through and that everybody's have, had an opportunity to comment on it, but still incredible speed of, of delivery. It's a really great point. And actually that, how we kind of do a bit of a circle back to purpose and values because when you are looking to collaborate on some really important areas you do it with organizations naturally they've got similar purpose and values because as, as you quite rightly said it's really important from a governance perspective you're still delivering at the quality that you expect what a lovely way to, to end the podcast. I woke up this morning actually really looking forward to this conversation um, and it's absolutely delivered. So thank you so much, uh, Charlie and Dan, for, for a really, really fascinating uh, conversation. And also thank you to everyone for listening. Um, if you'd like to explore PwC's industry-led insight and thought leadership and get some more insight and inspiration for your organisation, visit industry and focus at pwc.co.uk forward slash industry. And finally, don't forget to subscribe to keep up to date with future episodes. Thanks everyone, and please tune in again soon.